In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Buddy, and there you have it from the very famous and wildly popular Use Your Illusion CD set, which followed up Guns N' Roses' huge success, Appetite for Destruction. It's a little after the 80s, 1990. I realized that. Stop getting on the tweet machine to, to fire us up. I get it. But we felt like Civil War uh, would be a good lead in for this podcast. Not that we're hoping for one. And frankly, I think the vast majority of people in this country are not hoping for one and, and because they're just normal human beings who just want to live their lives. But there are certainly two you know, opposing groups of radical fundamentalists who would be more than happy to slug it out. Yeah, that's right. Of course, we mean business, as we always do. Uh, you can learn more about our show, our program, the big uh, extravaganza on our website, which inexplicably is uh, www.ipfrequently.com. And you can also follow us on the web on uh, various social media platforms, the Twitter, the Instagram, the TikTok, although that's, Brad, that's being shut down by the Biden administration. So we not be, may not be there long. The meta, we're in the metaverse. We've just opened a new storefront. We're developing 40,000 screaming feet down by the uh, big lake in the metaverse. Uh, and that will be at IP underscore frequently. You can uh, get us anywhere, anywhere you consume podcasts, uh, including the great Salem Radio Network, where we are now ranked, Brad, number four. Number four? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Who's ahead of us? Good question. Uh, first, uh, we like to start out each week, as everyone knows, everyone out there, with uh, the two bits of news that you need uh, to get you through the week. Now, obviously, this is a short week, and you may not be having much water cooler talk uh, if you um, uh, are, are at a conventional office where uh, you are shut down for the week because of uh, Thanksgiving. I know this is Brad, golden week number seven in Japan. For those of our friends in Osaka, uh, they wouldn't be listening because it's golden week, but this is something they can use when they return from golden week in mid-February. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so this is what, what we ask you to do here is to get some scratch paper or preferably a pad, uh, a uh, pencil or a Sharpie, which is probably better if you can spell, and then just start taking down what we say in this first segment and then use this uh, when you approach your coworkers and, and, and what you can do is you can start with the scratch paper and then write down different th thoughts and concepts that we, we spoon feed you and then maybe reduce them to various and sundry index cards, which of course you'll want to laminate and then walk around the, uh, the, the, the office and, and just start lecturing people on some of the points that we bring up, because obviously there's only one side to these arguments and we win them all the time. Uh, so first, Brad, we go to the big uh, stories of the week. And this week, obviously, a lot is happening 
in the business world as we just barrel towards the holiday season. A uh, lot is happening. Lot, lots is lot, lots going on in the in the in the in the business world. We have, of course, Black Friday. Uh, we have uh, Dark Monday. We have uh, Deep Thought Tuesday coming up, where you want to go out there and consume. But if you look at corporate America, it's sort of in flux. First, Brad Disney, the the house uh, that uh, Mickey Mouse built. Indeed, um, you and I have actually spent a lot of time on the uh, Disney campus in Burbank. Uh, sometime. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's a cool place, actually. Yeah, it's fun. We still actually have some of the paraphernalia that we lifted out of the Walt Disney Museum. It's neither here nor there. And that's not an admission that can be used in court. Um, of course, this week, Brad, Disney had uh, its uh, in, over the last few months. We've talked a lot about this. The CEO, Bob Chopic. Uh, has come under fire for a variety of different woke policies from lecturing um, uh, employees on wokeism, critical race theory, uh, on attacking the governor of Florida and potentially costing Disney hundreds of millions of dollars in tax exemptions uh, by the state of Florida uh, to um, actually sort of indoctrinating kids with some of this wokeism through uh, some of the veiled messaging in their cartoons. Well, it seems as though the Disney board and the consumers uh, and, and, and clients of Disney had finally had enough. The board fired the CEO, actually said they were blindsided him uh, this past week and returned, uh, I believe, 95-year-old Bob Iger to the uh, role of CEO. And a lot of people are looking at this and they're saying this stands for the fact that corporate America is starting to get pressure from the non-woke mob that some of the stuff like trans um, characters in cartoons for a five-year-old are not necessarily what we're looking for. Well, buddy, just the mere fact that the guy got blindsided tells you all you need to know about his competence and capability, right? I mean, if you have been handed a corporation like a, a, a just an empire like Disney, all you have to do is come into work every day pretend to send an email, go to lunch with someone, come back, pretend to send another email, and then go home and don't screw anything up, right? Just let that amazing inertia behind Disney go. But this clown couldn't do it, right? He had to, and, and, and in fact, my guess is that his perspective was just so narrowed by having been in that Disney world, uh, ironically, for so long that he he listened to this minority, this woke minority, and started to drive that ship right over a cliff, up to and including doing the dumbest thing you could possibly do as a business owner, a for-profit, a, a unapologetically for-profit business that is not being taxed on its largest campus by the state in which that campus is in, and you screw that up, right? I mean, if nothing else, the board, who is full of business people, is going to look at that and say, hey, man, exactly what are we getting for this trade? And the answer is, well, again, we're getting kicked in the nuggets, right? And, I, I, I the, it, buddy, the, the interesting thing to me is I really don't think there is no you know, sort of non-woke mob, right? Clearly, there are far-right extremists. We're not saying that. But it's just the vast majority of Americans who are looking at companies like Disney and going, hey, what are you doing? Right? Have you forgotten what your business model is? You provide entertainment for kids. And if you provide anything more valuable than entertainment for kids, 
it is giving them, you know, sort of the ability to dream, to, to go to a place and say, wow, this isn't like my normal life. You know, maybe one day the world will look like Tomorrowland, all these sorts of things that Disney is supposed to do. And if you just do that, and, and oh, by the way, that doesn't require inhibiting anyone from living the lives they choose to live, right? You don't have to be anti-woke in order to be you know, functional and capable in this country today, right? If you just proceed with your business model, don't make anybody feel bad about how they want to live their lives. They will show up and they will consume what you are putting out there. But Disney couldn't do it. And so, you know, old Iger, he fell on the sword. He said, yep, that guy was my pick and he turned out to suck. So I'll come back in here and see what I can do. Yep. And then, and, and it's also indicative of the fact that they're, I mean, even back, if you look back in the days of the nineties, when Michael Eisner ran Disney, there was no succession plan. And it's sort of like a games of a game of Thronesian approach to succession at Disney. You always you know, put somebody up and then try to stab them in the back. Um, fascinating, fascinating stuff. But uh, the first thing they need to do is they need to reinstate those fast pass lines Indeed. and uh, probably reduce the price of a pretzel to below 20 bucks at Disney World. That would be a good a good start. Next, uh, another billionaire, Brad, that is Jeff Bezos from Amazon has started to talk about the fact that we are very likely in a recession. And he has advised uh, people to stop. And this is amazing for the uh, head of Amazon, advised people to stop making big purchases uh, and start uh, saving household income. So for example, telling people to stop buying cars, not plan to buy televisions and large items on the, even on the Amazon platform. And Amazon is apparently gearing up to fire about 10,000 people this week. Of course, Facebook has already laid off 15,000. Twitter, you know, is axed about 10,000. Uh, Apple's cutting people, Google, Microsoft across the board. So it seems like uh, we're getting a lot of word uh, words out of big tech that uh, tell us that the economy is going to get worse, not better. Well, and that's not obviously good news for the average man in the street. But what I think in the long run will turn out to be good news is sort of the right sizing of big tech, right? I mean, the, the, the fact that they have basically been able to purchase the government and therefore been allowed to sort of run wild, right? I mean, the, the, the antitrust clearly doesn't apply to those companies, right? I mean, they just go out and gobble up things. I mean, what does Amazon, which started as an online bookstore, have to do with Whole Foods, right? But they have been allowed to make purchases like that. And, you know, as, as you will hear commonly said on the We Mean Business program, more businesses die from overeating than starvation. All these companies have clearly been overeating and hopefully this will ratchet that back and then also create the environment which we need to continue to stay ahead as an innovative country. And that's to allow small businesses that have great disruptive ideas to plant them, let them grow and kind of do the thing that they are supposed to do all of which has just been stomped on by big tech while the you know government sort of sits on its hands because their pockets are full of big tech money. If we can get back to a disruptive small business environment in this country, that will be a good thing. And if it means we have to sail through a recession to get there, which we're going to do anyway, then so be it. For those of you at home with your uh, index cards, write down what I'm about to tell you and get the and, and, and see the lamination machine turn it to the on setting, okay? 
Uh, he, he, and those, especially those of you who run small businesses or want to run small businesses or even want to pretend to run them, right? Mm-hmm. He, here's what you tell people, okay? When you're sitting around in front of the turkey or the turkey leftovers or whenever you're going to be hearing this, okay? Uh, I am opening up a big business in the metaverse. We're going to hire 10,000 people in the metaverse. We're going to expand in the metaverse. There is no expense that is going to be denied in the metaverse, okay? Write that down. Bullets, one, two, three, four, five, whatever you want to do, okay? I'm going to get a Maserati in the metaverse. There's never a recession in the metaverse. Write all this down and then just start parroting it to people around the little card table you're sitting at at uh, at the Thanksgiving or the Christmas feast, okay? Because it's okay to expand in the metaverse because it's not real. It doesn't exist. Okay, you can buy the TV in the metaverse, the car. You can you can go on some crypto binge like FTX did in the in the metaverse. Uh, And as long as you're not uh, flagged for inappropriate behavior, uh, Brad, I think you're fine. Oh, that's exactly right. I mean, that's the beauty of the metaverse. See, and that that's what allows the woke community who wants to just state that something is true whether or not it happens to be true is completely immaterial and irrelevant to them. They just want to state it and then live as though that is true. The metaverse is perfect for that. You can have your cartoon Maserati and no one can deny you and no one can tell you you're wrong. Correct. Uh, Next, Brad, a couple things that we can warn people about. Uh, Johnny Donovan. Johnny Donovan is a two-year-old boy born in the middle of the pandemic and, um, and, uh, you know, he didn't see a doctor. He's, he's two now. Didn't see a doctor until, you know, who knows. Um, but uh, John, Johnny's mother was, um, you know, she didn't quite know what to do. He was the first child that she had. And she uh, decided that Johnny should drink a lot of milk. And so Johnny was averaging about one and a half liters of milk every day. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, he, he finally had to go see a doctor because he was pale white. The doctors looked at him and they assumed that he had leukemia because of the way he looked. Okay. Uh, come to That's find probably out- not good if you've you know put your kid on a diet that makes doctors think you have leukemia. Correct. But uh, come to find out, Brad, that uh, he actually had a cow milk overdose after drinking a liter and a half of cow milk every day. Um, and uh, they're, they're trying to remedy that. The mother, Laura Donovan, said that she, quote, did not know uh, that there was such a thing as too much cow milk um, and, and so, Brad, apparently um, there's a lesson here, much like the sugary drinks, don't drink them. Uh, don't give a toddler who's two years old uh, one to two liters of cow milk a day. Yeah, I mean, that's that's got to be close to, you know, what, 15 percent of the kids total body weight is now cow milk. A liter and a half seems like a lot. It seems, especially for a small child, beautiful child. So I think one thing we can warn people is that maybe a liter is too much milk uh, to give a child, and you got to watch out. Another thing that apparently, and you, you you remember the great kung fu artist Bruce Lee? I do. So it has been learned um, by uh, well. So there's this concept of drinking too much milk. Also, overhydration of water is a problem, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That and, is a uh, problem. Yeah. yeah. And so apparently Bruce Lee died from drinking too much water. This is something that's been researched. People have looked at it. Drinking two liters of water a day is supposed to cleanse your body. But more than that can be problematic. Doctors are now claiming that uh, Kung Fu expert Bruce Lee's mysterious death is tied directly to drinking too much 
water. Okay, he died at uh, the age of 32 in 1973. So technically, Brad, this is solving an unsolved mystery, right? Yeah, we've accomplished that. Check. This is a problem. Now, it's it's uh, some of the symptoms of being overhydrated are nausea and vomiting, mm-hmm. low blood pre- pressure, loss of energy, muscle weakness, twitching or cramps, restlessness or a bad temper. It's like I know somebody we used to work with that may have had this bad temper. Yeah, no, it's no kidding. Headaches, confusion or fatigue, mm-hmm. seizures or a coma. So if any of these things happen, like, for example, if you are nauseous, restless and then are in a coma, call your doctor. Okay, call them and uh, get down there and get checked out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you find yourself in a coma, call your doctor. Next, That's just Brad, good advice. Yeah, that is that is good advice. Call your doctor immediately, uh, right away. Um, and also, listen, if you're in that position, don't be afraid to take out your laminated card and lecture him on the wokeism at Disney and how it failed. Just lay it on your chest. He can read it for himself. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Those are your words if it's on your chest. Yeah. Uh, next, Brad, the Betty White update. You know, Betty White, as everyone knows, we're, we're nearing the one year anniversary of her passing. Remember mm-hmm. last year, you celebrated the fact that she made it to 2022 when it turns out she didn't. Some would say that you jinxed her. But uh, parents recently, and this is the Betty White update segment, for those of you who need some signposting, um, parents uh, have welcomed the oldest twins in the history of the world. Parents have welcomed the oldest twins. Mm-hmm. These twins were, were the oldest twins in the history of the world. They were born from embryos frozen 30 years ago, Brad, 30 years ago. Oh, okay. um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a, remarkable, um, a remarkable thing. Um, this, is, this is actually during the uh, Clinton administration. Um, actually, I think it was the first Bush administration, to tell you the truth. And um, uh, so these twins, uh, Sci- the, 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 you know, the, the, the whole embryos were created 30 years ago, frozen, and then burst out of the scene today. Uh, and, and the kids were recently born. These are the oldest twins on record. It is a, it's been called a quote, mind boggling birth. There has been no case where twins have been born 30 years after the embryos were frozen, even 10 years. This is a world record situation. And obviously the kids were pretty confused when they were born. They were expecting H.W. Bush to be president. They got Biden. Um, But uh, what do you think about this, Brad? Do you think this is uh, something that it's almost like some strange time travel uh, in in a sense? And and, and so these kids are going to be mature beyond their years. And one other one other point here is that um, this is something that other couples are going to be trying to probably emulate. Well, I'm sure that's true. And I, you know, I mean, you're born expecting to see the fresh Prince of Bel Air and you wind up with Dallas housewives. I mean, that's not what you're looking for. Right. But my question for you, buddy, is were the embryos frozen on purpose or were they like trapped in a glacier 30 years ago? And then, you know, someone found them and, you know, nursed them back to life. Well, that's a good question. I mean, that 30 years ago, if you look at it, it lines up perfectly with that, um, What's the guy's name? Married to Goldie Hawn. Kurt Russell. Yeah. The movie where he like uh, there was a big freeze and then he uh, got caught in the northern. He had to go save his kid. It was like in some Philadelphia, but Philadelphia was under, under like 200 feet of snow. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably it. I think that's exactly what happened. Another interesting point is both of these uh, embryos were, were the product of President John Tyler. Well, yeah, but I mean. You know, his his seed, if you will, was just freaking everywhere. A guy lived forever, then his kids lived forever. I mean, he can't get away. Everybody, I mean, if you do one of those, 
you know, genetic tests, you're going to find that there's a little bit of Tyler in you. Yeah. Well, that's more likely for others than some and some than others. Um, but also, Brad, what's interesting is a lot of uh, famous people are now taking this as a way that they can live forever. And so you're seeing President Joe Biden and, and uh, Dr. Jill go ahead and um, sort of work on the uh, in vitro process so that they can get their, uh, you know, sort of mark in the ground, if you will, uh, so that uh, another yeah, child so can be born to them. Uh, in case 30, the future needs a dope, yeah. we'll be all set. Yeah. Nitwit. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, President Biden uh, has now pardoned. Uh, and this is something for those of you who've already had your Thanksgiving dinner on Thanksgiving. Uh, you know this, but um, he uh, uh, had pardoned the turkey's chocolate and chip uh, at the uh, White House ceremony. And those turkeys are now running free, terrorizing people, Brad, in Oxnard, California. Yeah, see, it's just contributing to the problem there. The turkeys are not looking for absolution. They're turkeys. So, you know, providing it to them just sort of upsets the balance of nature. And now you've got poor folks in Oxnard who have turkey bites all over them. Yeah, and you can't touch them. They've, they've received a presidential pardon. It's like being a made man in La Cosa Nostra. You can't touch that person unless, of course, you're Sylvester Stallone and Tulsa King, in which case you can. Um, next, Brad, is our famous Thanksgiving segment. We always do it the weekend after Thanksgiving mm -hmm. where we talk about the sort of the turkey awards. Mm -hmm. And you and I name the biggest turkeys of the year, even though it's got a month left. Um, and uh, we sort of uh, try to uh, encourage people to think um, about who the biggest turkeys are in their life and then confront them. Yeah, exactly. And you can put this on your note card as well. Just make a reminder to yourself, I need to confront this person for they are a turkey. So Brad and I are each going to go through our top three turkeys of 2022. Brad, do you want to go first? Well, but you can almost do a category here, right? Which is what I like. So, I mean, if you're going top three, you could go top three people currently in the government, president, vice president, speaker of the house, and you would not be far from wrong. I realize that's a little biased, but I didn't pick them, right? So if you're going to go category and you're going to go top three people in the U.S. government, you go president, vice president, speaker of the house, boom, you're there. Turkey, turkey, turkey. Indeed. Oh, you keep going. So, so your, your first pick is the uh, leadership of the United States. Correct. Hey, listen, spot on. I don't, I don't think you can... Uh, you can go wrong there. What I would say, my first pick is also a category. Oh, okay. um, and I don't know if you saw this past week. So I am, you know me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a news hound. I enjoy the news. I you enjoy are. breaking news. Mm -hmm. And so this week I'm sitting there watching um, the, 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 the news on CBS. And uh, I'm not sure why I think I, I was watching uh, 60 minutes <clears throat> and uh, they broke in with the, the, the Sunday night news and they said, breaking news. CBS has confirmed that um, there was a laptop uh, in play that was left at a Delaware computer store by Hunter Biden. It is Hunter Biden's laptop. And CBS has now confirmed that the material on that laptop uh, was generated by the Biden family. And so I said to myself, I said, this is interesting. Um, but then I, I, I thought this must be a different laptop than the one that the New York Post wrote about in 2020, because um, there's no way this is breaking news on CBS and CBS is actually claiming credit for it. But then it turned out to be the same laptop. Huh. 
And so right CBS, after the midterms. Right after happened. the midterms. CBS is now hmm. confirmed. It's almost like they're trying to bury it because right after the midterms, two years before the next general, um, and the, 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 the moxie of these turkeys to not only come out with the same story that's been running for two years, but to say it in such a way that they should get credit for it is remarkable. And uh, it, it sort of squeals with a gobble gobble, if you will. But I don't disagree with that at all. Not only does that squeal with a gobble gobble, but it tells you all you need to know about the folks that are running that outfit and the folks that are tuning in to that outfit. I mean, if you watch that and you hear those words and you still say to yourself, this is a fine journalistic establishment that is keeping me abreast of everything I need to know in order to be an educated citizen of this country, and I'm going to continue watching it for that purpose, then you, my friend, are also a turkey. Correct. Uh, Brad, I'll go next since you went first. Next, I have, for my next turkey, Mm -hmm. I have, and and listen, this is a tough one, right? Because there are a lot of opportunities out there. Now, you got the entire U.S. government in your first one, so they're out. Um, But I am. Uh, I'm going to go with our dear friend, who's had a rough week, by the way. Justine Trudeau, who's the um, uh, what, what do they call it? They're, they're not the prime minister, but the bon vivant up in Canada. Um, he has had a tough week. He he um, uh, appeared on the new season of Canada's Drag Race, which is a show um, creating the next drag superstar. This is a trans show, so he appeared on that show, and then he attended this. Um, G20 conference, G20 conference, I think is something it's like affiliated with some sort of like a Comic-Con type deal, mm-hmm. but he was at the G20 conference. And uh, I don't know if you saw this clip, but he got his ass handed to him by the president of China. Trudeau, <laughs> there was just something that was doing a cocktail hour and Trudeau said something about um, G was passing Trudeau and had his little interpreter there and he, he was Trudeau made some snarky remark remark as he's wont to do. And, uh, and so she just looked at him and through his interpreter, just ripped him a new one talking about how everything that they say in private session is leaked. And it's probably leaked by this Trudeau guy and he, he can't be trusted. He doesn't keep his word. He doesn't keep his mouth shut and everything's for the cameras. And then she just looks at the camera and walks away. So I'm going to say, um, uh, le premier de Trudeau, is another turkey. Yeah. No, he he's probably at this point gotten a, a lifetime award where he just remains a turkey. No matter what season it may be, no matter what year it may be, Trudeau has earned himself the lifetime title of turkey. Buddy, for my part, I'm going to stick with yet another category. I'm going to stick with the category of all the people who want free speech so long as it comports exactly with their particular opinion as to you know the way things are right so for all these jackals who are you know claiming they're going to get off twitter because now people with an opinion different than theirs are allowed to be on twitter you are a disingenuous hypocritical douche and have earned yourself a turkey Gobble freaking gobble, Brad. I'm gonna go, and this is like this is another big deal, another breaking news item. Um, uh, RFK, Robert Francis Kennedy, was um, hmm. Attorney General, Senator from New York, 
um, presidential candidate assassin in 1968 at the Ambassador Hotel in L.A., which has been torn down conveniently enough. But we are still looking into that for purposes of unsolved mysteries. But um, uh, they, they, they have the Robert Kennedy Human Rights, Rights Foundation hmm. and the Robert Kennedy Human Rights Foundation hands out an annual award to um, the, you know, the, the, the people that deserve um, mention uh, as, as, as their work uh, as a proponent of human rights. Um, and uh, this year, the award uh, has gone to Mandela, but in the past, it's gone to um, uh, Margaret Thatcher, it's gone to uh, countless other statesmen. This year, the award is going to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle for their, quote, heroic stance against structural racism of the royal family. Um, and what's interesting th- about this is RFK <laughs> Jr., who was one of the people that was out there on the forefront of talking about the vaccines and some of the problems with the studies in the vaccines, has come out and said, this is absolutely insane. This, is, this makes no sense. These are not uh, people that have any um, gravitas in the field of human rights, and it's an embarrassment that uh, the Robert F. Kennedy Foundation would even be honoring them. Um, but Harry and Meghan are accepting this award and uh, it's just crazy, shameless. And uh, I believe they may be the two biggest turkeys we've mentioned so far. I'm not going to dispute that. I, I mean, you, you want to talk about people who the world would just be better off once they're gone. Those two fall into it. I can think of nothing. And I, and I feel bad for Harry because he obviously made like a hard left somewhere where he should have gone right. So here was a guy who was on the path to real leadership and then somehow fell under the spell of one Meghan Markle and now winds up with the 2022 award for biggest turkey there is. And for my last selection, buddy, you've made it easy on me. I'm going to go with whoever picked them in the Robert F. Kennedy cabal for human rights or whatever it's actually called. That's a good one. I can tell you it's not Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because I don't even think he's attending the event this year. But that is a, a big uh, a big fall. And of course, that's difficult for you to say because you have always been fascinated with royalty. And, and, and some would say you just uh, you, you just you just love it. Some might say that I do enjoy a royal flush if I'm playing poker, for instance. But I think that's a different thing. Eights for two, tens for four, jacks for two. Trump. Ah, a little cribbage, buddy. I like it. There it is. Uh, next, Brad, one of the things people have said to me when I'm walking down the uh, the street here in um, in Dallas is they'll say, first, they'll say, where's Brad? And I'll explain that he's uh, not here. Um, might be, but not. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they'll say, listen, we need more feel good stories because we get all these stories uh, about um, uh, corruption, right? Whether it right. be the Hunter Biden laptop story or the Russia gate story, or, um, you know, the, the, obviously the cornhole cheating scandal with the small bags, Brad, both mm-hmm. teams having small bags, mm-hmm. you would think that would just balance itself out. But apparently that's a scandal that people look at and, um, are, are they don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear about chess grandmasters utilizing anal beads to, um, uh, you know, to, to take gain an edge. Yeah. Gain, an, gain an edge. Yeah. Um, they don't want to hear, but they don't want to hear about uh, pardoned turkeys just roaming the streets, running Oxnard where people used to roam. They want to hear about feel good stories. And so, okay. you know, Brad, I, I give you um, the story of Andy Hackett out of the UK. That's the United Kingdom. 
Um, Andy Hackett could have been at the Lake Erie challenge and um, could have been stuffing um, uh, lead uh, balls into perch until they burst. But instead, he took to the sea, my friend. And um, of course, Andy Hackett, 42, um, he is uh, nicknamed the carrot, the British carrot. Uh, he uh, is out there fishing one day in the, um, I believe it's the Red Sea, or it could be the Straits of Gibraltar, I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, he caught a 70-pound monster goldfish, 70 pounds. This is the uh, largest goldfish on record. If you saw this picture, you would think that it's almost doctored, right? You would think it can't yeah. possibly be true, but the, uh, the, the this is... Um, one of the and the carrot is actually the nickname of the the, the fish, I believe. But uh, oh, okay. Andy himself looks sense. like yeah. carrot again. It's when you're reading things for the first time, it's a little bit different mm. um, and difficult. Um, but uh, this is a a goldfish that has eluded people. It, it's almost a hundred pounds. It will not fit in a typical fish bowl that you'll see at the carnival where you're trying to get the ping pong ball in to win the fish. If you win this fish, I don't know what you do with it. I'm not sure if you can eat it. But it is a huge, huge goldfish. Yeah, it is striking in its presentation. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about, for those of you not in the studio audience, think about a goldfish like your child might have won, as David pointed out, at a fair of some sort. And then, you know, multiply that by a factor of 100. And that's exactly what you have here. This is just a giant goldfish, very lovely in its hue and form, and uh, but generally speaking, quite unnecessary for a goldfish to be this big. But I guess it does answer the question. You know, they always say that a goldfish will just continue to grow until it reaches the size that is you know fit for its container. Mm -hmm. And you know, obviously, if you're in the Straits of Gibraltar, there's plenty of room, and this is what you get. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it strikes me because it looks like something you would see at Disney World. It's sort of you know paper mache or or, or something, and then and then you start thinking. To yourself, okay, well, what's the average lifespan of a goldfish? So I went, I looked it up, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what you do. Mm -hmm. If you don't have, like, we don't have, unlike those of you at home where you can just look at your note cards, we don't have anyone that we're writing down what they're saying. We don't have that benefit, okay? Right. Only the Lord. And of course, mm -hmm. he's written down uh, through others enough for us to, to study, but he's not going to help us with this one, which is how the average lifespan of a, of a, of a goldfish. And it's two days, Brad, it's essentially two days. And typically they're just flushed down the toilet after that. If you flushed the carrot down the toilet, you would ruin the pipes in your building, ruin them and, and destroy the toilet at that too. Yeah. You, this goldfish folks is not going in your average toilet. And if you need a toilet, uh, in which this goldfish would fit in order to, you know, sort of meet your needs, um, see a doctor, right? Even if you're in a coma, see a doctor. It's, it's the biggest goldfish on record. And, and what's interesting is, is Hackett, uh, Andy um, went ahead and a lot of people said, put it back in for humanitarian purposes. I guess it helps with when it, you know, makes its honey and the pollination. But he, he didn't, he filleted it and he took it home. He did, did he? All right, good for him. He caught it. It's his fish. It belongs to him. Yeah, and, and, and frankly, no matter what you do with uh, with a fish, you're not really being humanitarian, are you? I mean, you may be being fishitarian. No, I don't know about that, Brad. I mean, you saw about the writ of habeas corpus uh, filed by that elephant against the uh, uh, New York authorities when it uh, tried to get the right to vote. So I would say this fish has every uh, bit as many human rights as you do. 
Okay. Well, you know what? That's probably true in this day and age. Welcome to the metaverse. Uh, next, Brad, of course, a couple of updates from the big... Um, uh, this is where we get into it. We, we've segued right for the middle segment in the at the end of this whole show. We segued to, you know, we did tanned, rested, and ready for the midterms. Remember, we were telling everyone how important mm-hmm. the midterms were and getting everyone mm-hmm. fired up to vote. None of them did. Mm-hmm. Um, so now yeah. we're talking about 2024, the big 2024, and, and we've renamed the segment tanned, rested, and ready 2024. Good. Yeah, I like it. So we just change two digits at the end. We can keep the T-shirt. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's right. So uh, one, you know, as we talked about last week, President, uh, former President Trump is running for president. They've uh, they've now appointed a special counsel to look into his dealings on January 6th and with the confidential information uh, records that were at Mar-a-Lago. Um, but what was interesting to me is that during his uh, hour-long um announcement speech that he gave mm-hmm. a couple of things one his daughter Ivanka was not there she is sitting this one out um and uh she's i think she was in egypt or something at the world cup and then uh and then two about a half hour into the speech people tried to leave the auditorium at uh, mar-a-lago where mm-hmm. they were having this um announcement and trump security detail blocked all the doors so people couldn't leave so it's almost like that scene in that uh, Mel Gibson movie about the uh, Revolutionary War where they just lock everyone in the um, uh, in the church and burn it to the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's not what you're looking for, my friend. I mean, you and I had debated, you know, doing a live show from there, you know, sort of being on the scene, as it were, and uh, decided, eh, the hell with that. Mm-hmm. And it turns out to have been a good thing. So we yeah. could have been trapped as well. You know, correct. I mean, and, and listen, it is a uh, it, it is a problem. Right. Um, but, the, but uh, you know, if you if you think about it in the broader scheme of things, sitting in there for an hour, you're at Mar-a-Lago, you watch the announcement, you listen to him talk about the special prosecutor, counsel, whatever it is, um, and, and you just go about your day, you just go about your day. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just sort of what a day looks like in this country anymore, which, again, is unfortunate. I think it's important to point out because I don't think a lot of people realize that Mar-a-Lago is actually three separate words. It's Mar-a-Lago. Next, Brad, COVID update, sort of a a big, uh, depressing COVID update today uh, in that I'm not sure if the numbers are spiking or not, but I can tell you that uh, the COVID czar, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, is uh, retiring uh, getting a golden uh, golden shower parachute to um, leave the government, and uh, I think he's going to be making quite a bit every year in um, pension plus his book deal and his cut of the yeah, Pfizer yeah, vaccine. Exactly. Yes, correct. <laughs> um, but uh, he is uh, going to have his final briefing. I think he had his final briefing last week, and um, he, he's going to be saying, "Look, uh, if you are fully vaccinated, if you've had six boosters." Um, you should get another booster. If your kids haven't been vaccinated and they're at no risk for getting the virus or spreading the virus any more so than if they had the vaccine. Um, and in fact, they're very likely if they're young boys to develop a myocarditis, uh, you should get them vaccinated. Um, so it should be an interesting, uh, little, uh, a little sort of final performance curtain call, if you will. But uh, what I thought would be nice is if you could sort of give your takeaway from the career of the date of the great uh, Anthony Fauci. Yeah. Good riddance. That's, that's, uh, that's my summation. 
But I, and I, I will tell you, buddy, I mean, that guy, you know, when we, when he first popped on the scene, there was a lot written and said about him that was glowing. And so perhaps again, like young former Prince Harry, you know, he, he made a wrong turn somewhere, became enamored of the sound of his own voice, like the Pfizer money in his pocket, whatever the case may be. He clearly sailed off the deep end because remember his advice at the outset of this thing was perfectly reasonable, right? We're going to, we're going to shut it down for two weeks. We're going to hope that suppresses the rapid spread of the virus. He said at the outset, look, everybody's going to get this. It's highly transmissible. It's highly infectious. It's not going to harm most of us, but we don't want to overwhelm the hospital. So let's just, you know, knock it down for two weeks and then we'll get back to normal. And had he stuck with that, he would have been an American hero, but he didn't. And, you know, so now I say, buddy, good riddance. And, and you know what? Good riddance, hopefully to the whole scenario, right? I was watching a commercial. I mean, God bless Pfizer. You, you, you got to at least give a little tip of the cap to folks who's, who are just so unabashedly money grubbing at this point, right? So watching a commercial in the middle of a football game when it's for a Pfizer vaccine and they say, you know, just kind of in the flow of the commercial when, you know, they're hoping no one's really paying attention or the folks that are terrified of this are, but they say, listen, if it's been at least two months since your last booster, you can go and get another one. So for those of you scoring at home, if you're following the Pfizer program, you need six a year, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. The flu is really miserable for far more people than COVID is. I get it. COVID killed a lot of people. The flu kills a lot of people. So again, buddy, good riddance. Yeah. I look, I think, um, not going to be missed. Didn't, didn't really follow the science, followed the money and, mm-hmm. um, but good for him. He's made a good, uh, made a good living. He's basically a hobbit and he can go away. Uh, finally, Brad, lots going on this time of year, right? The mm-hmm. Santa Claus thing is coming down the pike. We just had our mm-hmm. Turkey. The president pardoned those two turkeys terrorizing Oxnard. Um, but we have to, we can't leave the show without doing, uh, the, the, the barter band segment. Cause everyone loves it so much. Indeed. Um, and this week, uh, you know, we're in the middle of the big World Cup and the World Cup, you and I, I think you, you and I have been there. Uh, um, I mean, I, we were certainly at Euro. We were at the Euro thing, right? The big Euro mm-hmm. thing a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Mm-hmm. Were we there? Were yeah, we no, there? we yeah, no, we were there for the Euro Cup. Yeah, mm-hmm. Euro Cup. very exciting time. I mean, I just can't describe what it feels like to be in a European city when they're in the middle of one of these things. It's just something. Um, but the world cup, I think it's in um, Qatar, right? This year. Is that right? It is. It is indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so this, we got barter band, we got the world cup, very exciting. The U S I think, if I'm not mistaken, had a zero, zero tie or one, one tie or one, 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 yeah. one, one with whales, with whales. Not, not the, not the uh, giant aquatic mammal, but the, uh, the country of Wales. So in uh, in Qatar, they have banned the sale of alcoholic beverages in the World Cup stadiums. And I think they have about 150 World Cup stadiums they've constructed mm-hmm. over there, all out of mm-hmm. shipping containers. Mm-hmm. So they can take them apart very easily. Um, but they have banned the sale of beer, which is let a lot. I don't know if you've seen some of these towns they've set up, too. They've set up these these like Hoover towns, right? With all these white tents, just yeah. rows of white tents where people, I mean, some of the most depressing. I mean, I, it looks like some sort of a camp that they're- yeah, uh, I have been to Cutter, buddy. It looks like the moon. So I, I am 100% with you. How did they get the World Cup? I'm going to guess that they lined the pockets of the FIFA <laughs> officials is going to be my you know guess there because it does, like- buddy. It looks like the moon. The, the rumor is Pfizer is going to get the next World Cup and that could yeah, happen. That, that could well be the case. 
Yes. Anyway, so the question is, should you be allowed? Because, I mean, there's nothing more fun than when you see some of these European uh, uh, cities host these international soccer matches, right? Football, whatever you call it, mm-hmm. uh, because you see the fans get into it. They're singing their national anthems. It's all, you know, that yeah, no one's crazy. No one's getting yep. canceled for singing the U.S. You know, national anthem, but everyone's singing their songs and all this stuff. And they're singing the club songs and all this stuff. And um, I don't know if you saw the they, they actually had the American football in Germany uh, a week ago. And during Tom Brady's interview, the whole crowd was singing. I think it was either Bon Jovi or uh, Sweet Caroline, but the whole crowd was singing. It was really, yeah, really 100,000 cool. people. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great atmosphere, great environment. <clears throat> and uh, but the question is, do you get that without the beer sales? Right. Do you, do you no. get that same level of enthusiasm? And if no. so, should the folks at Cutter, because they are selling in certain designated areas within the World Cup Village, which I believe is at Hoover Town. Hmm. So the question is, should you bar? Or ban, right? Whichever is more severe or less, mm. um, beer from the World Cup. No, of course not. Well, I, uh, let me back. I, I guess it depends on what you're looking for, right? If you want it to be a good time and to have the classic, you know, sort of world football environment, which everyone loves except for Americans, because we just don't do this football thing. But for the rest of the world, you want that whole thing. You want the blowing of the plastic trumpets. You want the clattering of cymbals. You want the singing of obscure songs slightly off key. You want, you know, people slapping each other across the face in glee. You want all of that. And you need a little lubrication for that, if you know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? You, you, getting, you getting where I'm coming from? Oh, no, I, I, absolutely. I couldn't agree okay. more. So I'm going to say neither bar nor ban, but encourage. I mean, for goodness sakes, the whole thing is sponsored by Budweiser. Yeah. So we're not going to bar or ban. We're going to let you brandish it. Get out there, get your beer, take it into the venue, tell the Qataris to go stuff themselves. This is the World Cup. We need to be legless for this thing and get after it. Yep. Now, this is uh, this is exciting. And uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And listen, we've we've just come over the Thanksgiving holiday. We've made it over a proverbial hump, so to speak. We are heading towards uh christmas at breakneck speed and i think uh, i think we did everyone a little bit of good here today we did buddy we're on the downhill slide into mass consumerism you probably gained weight at thanksgiving you're only going to gain more and the only place where you can find solace is right here every week on ip frequently this has been ip frequently once again clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.